Welcome in to episode 217 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. If any of you listening are planning to attend PASIC, the Percussive Art Society International Convention next week, that starts on uh, Wednesday night, November 13th, and that goes through the Saturday night on the 16th. Dream artist Scott Pellegram is going to be giving a clinic on the 14th. That's Thursday. He is at 11 a.m., so his clinic is from 11 a.m. to noon. And then immediately following around 1230, he'll be going over to Dream's exhibit in the exhibit hall to hang out, meet everyone, sign some autographs, answer questions, take pictures, check out some Dream symbols over there in their booth. So again, if you're going to PASIC next week, that's in Indianapolis, Indiana, on November 14th, 11 a.m., go check out Scott Pellegrum's clinic and then meet everyone over at the Dream booth at 1230. I'll be there. I'll be hanging, so come say what's up. Um, okay, so the intro beat is my programmed version of Danny Carey's classic groove to the song Eulogy. We'll talk a little bit more about it. I'm trying to learn this beat once and for all if you checked out last week's episode. So let's get the show going. That solid, <laughs> solid. Ah, oh, buddy. Okay, I'm stoked. For I'm stoked. What? <laughs> uh, for for this week's episode, episode two seventeen is about to bring some heat. Is oh, this two f two seventeen? It is two seventeen, indeed. Episode two seventeen is about to bring some heat. <laughs> I'm freaking on fire with green tea right now, buddy. <laughs> two seventeen. Where do we stop? Do we stop at two twenty? Three. Two twenty. Three. 300 is a good, a good, that's a, that's a nice, yeah, how long in that the is. industry, I know, <laughs> that's in the industry it's called a hard out, it's just a hard out, <laughs> okay, okay, good point, uh, I think 250, 250 we call it, alright, yeah, that's it, yeah. end of the show, sayonara, Sweet. don't ever email me again, <laughs> God. oh, good stuff, good kidding, stuff, alright, well, welcome kidding. in to Positive Friday, we're here to... <laughs> Pick you up and change your mood. Guys, guys, you are about to experience the 2020, the 2020 Mike and Mike drummer draft. Indeed. We are drafting our starting five, our sixth man coming <laughs> off the bench, and our coach. I took this way too seriously, by the way. I thought yeah, about it. Yeah, I was for not like ready for that. <laughs> I just thought, like, hey, who do you want to start 2020 with on your drumming team? And you went, you went hardcore. You actually picked a point guard, yeah, and a I mean, shooting guard. I guess because I mean, my my dad was a coach my whole life, so I just have that mentality. Like, all right, you're going to pick your team. You got to have role players. You got to have the right pieces. So I went full weirdo. So this will be fun. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I just went. I went no replicas, so I don't have two of the same guy or girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have, like and not that they're the same, but I don't or something. Is that what you want for? I don't have Thomas Lang, Virgil Donati, and Marco Miniman. Where okay. it's like, obviously they're different, but as far as them being on my team, I could be like, I could throw any one of those three up there and be like, okay, go show people how to dominate the world with the drum set. That'd be a good rugby and, team. <laughs> <laughs> it actually would be. And then you get Gartska in there just for some fire and spit, you'd be good to go. Be good to go. So we've got our 2020 draft. We're checking out a gorgeous Thomas Star Classic kit. 
And we are talking about one of mine and Mike's favorite drummers of all time, the great Manukache. So it's going to be a fun, fun thing. So should I give you an update on where I'm at with that Danny Carey groove? Couldn't care less. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. It was our intro groove. So Talk I, to me. Okay, so I had limited time on the kit, like zero time on the kit this week. So rather than sulk about it, I, I decided to attack this beast a little bit differently than I normally would. So I programmed it first. I opened up a drum machine and just programmed the beat note for note the way Danny played it. And then I was able to just kind of let it loop for five to ten minutes or something. Yeah. Just kind of absorbing it, um, which was even just transcribing it was was good practice because then I could literally see the trouble spot is bar two for me on beat three where you yes. have open hi-hat on beat three, two bass drum notes, open hi-hat on the uh of beat three. That's, yes, that is always where it stops. And the other thing I want to mention is, you know, when we were talking about this last week, I was showing you like, well, here's how I would attack and here's how I was taught it to my students. When I was teaching this to my students, there was no YouTube. Mm-hmm. But when it first came out, I never saw Danny play it and I didn't have a transcription of it. I didn't realize it looked in the video that you sent me. It looked like he's playing 16th notes with his right hand constant and then opening every third note. Yeah, except here's here's the I think kind of the trick to making it sound like Danny. He op- he doesn't play whenever there's a hi-hat note right before the backbeat. He doesn't double the backbeat with the hi hat, so he leaves, he gives okay. himself a little breather in like two. I think it's maybe three spots in the beat where he doesn't double. Okay. So anytime when the open hi hat is right before two or four, he doesn't double it. But the rest of the time, it's constant sixteenths. And I've been playing it as two sixteenths open on the second one with a sixteenth rest. One mm. e a two and a th- okay and four e a one. So that's when I saw him just like kind of doing that uh, that little Gadsden groove vibe. Mm. I was like, oh, wow, I've never played it the way he played it. And because I'm not an insane transcriber, I'm always trying to get capture what is the essence of the groove? What is the essence of what was going on here? Mm-hmm. Let me take that to the kit and forget that it was created by somebody else. Otherwise, I'm scared of you know plagiarizing it. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, so, yeah, I was really surprised about that. And then when you sent me the drum machine loop, which was our intro groove today, it, it was really cool to hear it like that. Yeah. So then the other bit I, I was... So I programmed the whole four-bar phrase, and then I just started analyzing what happens, where's the repeats. And another mental trick that helped me figure out where things land, it's a three-beat cycle. So whatever, wherever the hi-hat lands on beat one, it's going to be exactly the same on beat four of each measure. Mm. So in the first measure, it opens on the one and the uh, so that means it's going to be in the four and the uh. Second measure, it's on the and on beat one. It's going to be on the and of beat four. Third yeah. measure, it's on the E of one. It's going to be the E of four. So then it starts over on beat one again. Mm-hmm. So that was just a way for me to kind of put the math together. Um, and then as yeah. I was walking the dog, I would just sing one of the parts while tapping the other part and then flip it, sing the other part, tap the other part. It took a while That's- for it to kind of all come together. It's like a class. Yeah, and I did the same thing. I had the whatever the boss drum machine with the giant orange pads was. Um, like black oh, drum yeah, machine, yeah. the Doctor Groove or something. Something. Yep, yep. And so I, I would always program one instrument and play the other two. So I'd have the hi hat looping, mm-hmm. and I'd play go do do ka do 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 ka do do, and I would do that while that hi hat looped over the top of me. Then I'd play hi hat and snare and let the kick loop underneath my hi hat and snare. Mm-hmm. And then once I felt really comfortable with that, I would just play the first two notes of the kick do do ka 
and then all, let the whole four bar cycle go all the way through and just play those two notes. Mm. And then I'd go do, 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 ka and let the whole four bar cycle. And then, so I would build it up one note at a time. And it, I, to me, it's not the way to learn it. It's one way to learn it. And I don't mind it taking a little extra time because then I'll have it forever. Yeah. You know? I think it's really interesting how you and I break things down almost from an opposite approach. But we're always, yeah. we always end up at the same spot. Like same you, place. You kind of take that linear build a note at a time. I try to find, like, zoom out where, what's the overarching architecture. And then I just piece it together that way. But it's, we're obviously getting to the same point. It's just yeah, and I think that I have to do what you do in practice. I have to do that mentally before I can even start because I just I can't grasp the concept at all. Mm. So it's like, okay, I do get it, but I'm not physically gifted enough to even come close to starting this, so I'm going to have to do it one note at a time. Mm-hmm. But I do have to understand it first. And so a lot of it you know, came down to do I understand, okay, maybe I've worked on my polyrhythms with Pete, and I can do one, two, three, four, one, two. I can do that, but what if we now move that snap to the E, which is where the open is? Yeah. Now it's one, two. Oh, man, I don't know these ones. Now I have to learn all these ones. So that's, I guess, when I'm learning something like Rosanna or I'm learning Eulogy, I'm trying to turn that groove. I have zero care to learn that groove. Mm. I have a ton of care to learn the concept that made that groove possible so I can use it for the rest of my life. Right. Yep. But at no point am I going to be like, you know what we should do in this song? The Rosanna (laughs) Shuffle. That'll never come out of my mouth. But the ability to play a relaxed halftime shuffle groove, yes, I want that. Right. So I'm going to use Rosanna or Fool in the Rain or Gravevine Fires to get that skill set. Cool. So where are you at? Can you play it right now? Uh, I don't, I don't mean, mean right now. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I mean, yeah, can no, you, if you I were was, at a kit, can you play it? I spent like, so I sent you that loop. I don't know when that was, like last weekend. So I, yep. I spent like two days just intellectualizing it, singing it, air drumming it. I did finally get like maybe five minutes on the kit to just see where I was at. It still mm-hmm. took like a, a couple minutes to iron out that bar two beat three. For me, that is the spot. If I, if I miss that, the whole pattern gets disrupted. But yeah. I can play it. It's not where I needed to be yet, so next week maybe I'll be ready to, okay. to actually play the thing. Awesome! I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's let's do this. I want to, I want to challenge. So how about you be the intro groove playing it? Okay. I'm gonna be the outro groove playing it, but playing it in a like I'm gonna use it as my launching board to take me somewhere else. Okay, cool. So it'll be a groove inspired by Danny Carey's eulogy beat. Dig it, and I'm gonna play over top of the the drum brute. So that was an Arturia um, drum brute impact drum dude that thing looks badass it is really fun it's inspiring it has like such limitations that it just makes it cool and you can put distortion on it it has like randomized so yeah what you're going to hear me play over is going to be a a version of the drum machine thing with i take maybe take some parts out maybe take the kick out or something we'll see cool that's awesome man very cool Uh, okay so you ready to do this i'm ready pull up my word doc (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pull up my roster. You know, it's okay, funny. So, I was literally yeah. thinking yesterday, like, because ESPN is like so in bed with this, like, uh, DraftKings fantasy crap. Yeah. Like, half of their yep. reporting is like on fantasy points. I'm like, what are you? This isn't real, guys. Like, you're reporting on something that's not real. Right. And I was like, man, this really <laughs> bothers me. And then here we are. I'm going to pick a fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we're not getting, like, we're not going to be like, well, Nate Smith did six clinics this year, so you get 26 <laughs> points. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Uh, okay, so let me tell you how this is going to go. 
uh, Mike and I both have a list of drummers in front of us. These are our drummers that we have chosen for our 2020 team. Now, as soon as someone is chosen by Mike or me, then that person is off the board and the other person cannot choose them. This is like we are actually drafting a team. And we're not drafting for somebody specifically to be, I'm going to grab the best hands. Um, we are going to play as a team. So I don't get to build one drum body out of these people. Right? Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, it, the whole thing might crumble if we try to figure out what is the point in it anyway. But <laughs> Okay. Well, let's just draft our team. I'm ready to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to... Now wait. Flip let's, a coin. Let's yeah. Before you do that, let's redefine. So you are picking. You're going to pick your lineup of. How did you define who you pick? I'll, I'll say like this. I'm going to go out on a clinic tour, and we are going to represent drumming. Drumming. Okay. The, this is the team I'm bringing with me gotcha. to say no matter where we are in the world, I think that these people are the most modern drummers that I, I would be proud to say, yeah, that's the drum community. So you're, you got almost like a f- drum festival lineup. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I took like, I'm going like role players. Who would be the point guard? Who would be the shooting guard? Who would be the small forward? Who would be the power forward? And well, that's would- great. Then our teams can't compete. You guys will be off in the pro <laughs> leagues and we'll be off in like the and one to throw it up at the rim tour. Uh, yeah, you got the okay. globe trotters and I've got the dream team. All right, let's go. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I've got the dream team. You've got the Sacramento Kings. You guys are just like, well, we, we, we play the triangle. Okay, no, I'm flipping the court. Good God. Do you want, oh, God. Well, both of our teams suck. Uh, do you want uh, heads or tails? Uh, tails. Tails it is. Why would I just throw it and hope it landed on my hand? I've clearly never tossed a <laughs> coin before. That was amazing. It went straight to the ground. All right. I don't do games of chance, Dawson. Heads or tails? All right. It is heads. All right, so are we going to do like you pick first and then I pick yep. first next round, like go that way, or just you always pick no, first? No, we'll, we'll just go uh, back and forth and okay. as soon as you pick somebody, they're off the board. Okay, so my first choice, these are in no particular order. I also want to mention that I am not including Carter McLean or Mark Juliana in my lineup, mainly because uh, they're friends and it's just awkward to pick them on my team. Uh, so I'm picking people that I am maybe am friends with, but... Uh, okay, first pick, Nate Smith. Good choice. I will Nate say Smith that he was board. my number two pick for point guard. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so Nate Smith, why did I pick him? I'm thinking, first of all, obviously his skill. Now, if you don't know Nate Smith, I, I really am hoping that I can draw your eyes to some drummers that you haven't seen before. But if you don't know Nate Smith, absolutely incredible drummer. But pocket, it's there. Not mm-hmm. a problem. But I also think that he is one of the best in the world right now at making pocket showy and cool and giving you the drum candy you need. But the pocket players can't talk smack, smack about it because it's got so much pocket to it. Mm. Yep. So, it, you know, yep. I mean, there's sometimes where it's like, yeah, I mean, Phil Rudd can hold it down all day. But, it, but I don't want to really see that in a drum festival. Um, with Nate Smith, he could literally play a groove the whole time. But you feel like, was that a drum solo? What, what the hell was that? Yeah, yeah. By the way, his solo drum record is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what's it called? Pocket Change. Uh, I think it's called Pocket Folk Change and Pocket Change. Yeah, which is just him just playing beats for a half hour. It's insane. He's amazing. All right, my first pick is Nate Smith. <clears throat> Your first pick is. All right, so um, I'm going to define the position. So we're in the point guard world. So I'm looking for someone who can who has high IQ, can can just you know a selfless player, um, a a playmaker. 
and I have to pick Mark Giuliano. I think he's the definition of yep. the point guard in the drum industry. I think he's... And even maybe in the music industry right now. I yeah. mean, he's running so much stuff on that level. I totally agree. Mark is your pick. Okay, so I've, <laughs> right now, if you and I just hit the road and you've got Mark and I've got Nate, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. We're work. already good. I'm good with that. All right, so I've got Nate for that. What do I want next? I think I'm going to go... Go a little weird here. I'm going with Dan Mayo. That's my second pick. Oh, all right. Dan all Mayo, right. Israeli-born drummer, I believe. Uh, I think he's in Israel right now. And uh, that dude is just an absolute monster. Somewhat similar to Nate Smith as far as he can solo in the groove position for hours and hours. But I think, unlike Nate, what Dan brings is this percussive sound to the drum set. That, Like, if all of our gear gets lost on the flight... Dan is not freaking out. We're all freaking out on the team, but Dan's like, it's fine, man. Whatever's there. <laughs> they got some benches, play on the benches. They got a bar stool, play on the bar stool. So, uh, so Dan Mayo is my second pick. <clears throat> all right. So if I'm going for my shooting guard, which I would define as someone who's just lights out, cold as ice, assassin, I have to go with Shannon Forrest. You mm. cannot rattle the man. He is cold as ice. <laughs> oh my god! You, take this, you were taking this amazingly seriously, like and I Steph love it. Steph Curry of the drum industry. I mean, he's going to just right. kill you in one shot. Yeah, <clears throat> I love it. Okay, so my third pick. Oh man, I've got so many, and now now I'm realizing that we aren't going to be picking the same people, and now I have to start cutting my roster down. <laughs> um, maybe we'll give some honorable mentions at the end. Okay, I've got Dan Mayo, Nate Smith. I need to smooth it out. I need a little bit of cream in the coffee. I need somebody to decaffeinate the situation, but with masterful technique, absolutely masterful technique, I'm taking Jason McGrew. Oh, good choice. Good if choice. you guys don't know Jason, uh, famous for playing in the band Death Cab for Cutie, check him out, and you will see somebody with the smoothest, most buttery technique ever. And I think he's just uh, – I think he's also probably one of my favorite drum writers. He writes some of the most mm-hmm. iconic drum parts in the world. So love Jason. All right. So I'm my three-man, which I would define as your, your all-around best athlete on the court. This is a tough call. I'm leaning – can I give you two? No. No, you cannot. Keith Carlock, I think. Oh, All-around champ. You can, no one can beat him in any role. He's the guy. Okay. So to recap, I've got Dan Mayo, Nate Smith, and Jason McGurr, and you have? Mark G at the running point, Shannon Forrest for the three-pointers, and Keith <laughs> Carlock <stop>. for, the- <laughs> for Oh, my God. Okay, fine. Fine. I'm going for pick four. You know what I don't have yet is I don't have the classic just blow your doors off drum soloist yet, mm. but I also want that to have depth. So, pick number four for me. God, I'm running out of picks. I'm going Dave Desenzo. Oh, good choice. Good Brother choice. Dave, uh, we talk about him a lot on the podcast. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of it surrounds his performance at the Modern Drummer Festival. And the, the reason I say unfortunately is because that's such a small, you know, <clears throat> thing in his massive career. But that really was an eye-opener to a lot of people that knew his name but had never really seen him play. And, the, and everyone that had seen him play kind of knew him as a rock fusion guy that did a lot of gigs and then Mm -hmm. to see him play a 20 minute drum solo where he was playing things that the 
the big kids in the festival world were blown away by, yeah. it was pretty eye-opening for the entire community, for sure. Do you know the name of his book? I can't remember what it is. Uh, makes no sense to me. <laughs> well, that was what I was going to say. He's He did the, the genius thing of writing a book where if you don't, you have to take a lesson with him to really understand what yeah. the hell it is. Because no, I, I literally would listen to the CD that it came with, and it would say, number six, one yen to two yen. And then I was like, that's not number six. Like, I'm reading number six right now. There's no way that's number six. And I just was like, okay, I clearly don't get it. But I still, he, I idolize him to no end. I really look up to him. And anytime I'm in a rut, anytime, I can throw that Modern Drummer Festival solo on, and within 18 seconds, there will be something, there will be a nugget that I go, oh, God, I haven't worked on that. Mm. And I just run to the kit. And I'm not taking it from he just he's his solos are great launching pads for getting you inspired to practice. Yeah, he's a beast. He's definitely a beast. Speaking of beast, power forward. The guy is gonna get in there and get dirty and push people around. I've got to pick Ronald Bruner Jr. What? <laughs> yeah. RBJ? Wow. He is my, okay. If I'm, if I'm gonna go to battle with somebody, I'm taking Ronald with me. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> He's he should have been on the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. Yeah, for with, sure. With uh, Isaiah, okay, okay. Um, you know what? <clears throat> oh my God! Now we're down to our what? Our fifth. This is my fifth and final pick, besides is, my sixth man. Yep, you get your fifth fifth starter. Okay. I'm I'm bringing. I have to battle with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the drummer that I think can make Ronald sweat the most Annika Nillis alright <laughs> I really think she could push anyone to their limits and they would just be like god damn what can she not do uh, so I've got so now I've got Dan Mayo Annika Nate Smith Jason McGurr and Dave Desenzo. that's a solid team solid that solid is. team and a seriously good hang yeah yeah, true. The I only one think... I don't know is Dave. De- yeah, you have to hang with these people, bro. We're going on the road. Yeah, I can. It's I... an 82-game schedule. I think it's all good. It's all good. I think I meant to make myself the coach in order to keep this thing, <laughs> keep this no, thing no, together. No. <laughs> all right, who's your fifth pick? This is right. your center? My center, so it's got to be just an unshakable rock, uh, Gavin Harrison. Just what? Titan. You're telling me that for your center, you didn't pick near Z. No, no. Near was my my number two choice for the shooting guard. Okay, because near, okay. you know, near. I love him. He he's he's a volatile character at times. For a center, oh, yeah, I want oh, yeah. somebody that's going to be there just to block everything that comes in. Just yep. Not in my house, and that's Gavin. That's Gavin Harrison. <laughs> okay, so for our sixth man slash woman, how about this? This is where we can call out the people that almost made the team, but. Whatever this you team need to got do. shaped by your picks. <laughs> what do you mean, whatever I need to do? I, I'm not worried. Okay. Uh, for my sixth man or woman, whew, I, want, I, want something, I want someone coming off the bench that no one's ready for. Damian Reed was up there for mm. sure. Um, Brody Simpson was up there. Terry Goley was up there. But I'm going my sixth man... And I'm, I believe he'll probably be sixth man of the year this year in 2020. I don't even know how to say his name. Raghav Mehrotra? Is he the, the, the Broadway dude? kid? Yeah, from Rock. Uh, the rock I say band. kid because he's probably like 20. Yeah, rock from school, uh, Rock School Musical. School of Rock. School of Rock. Um, yeah, from yeah. the Broadway show. Yep. Um, 
Ragav, so R A G H A V, and then Mehrotra, I believe, is M E H R O T R A. Check him out immediately. Like, press pause on the podcast, go to Instagram, <laughs> and check out Ragav Mehrotra. Holy heck, that that kid, I keep saying kid, but he's probably in his 20s, so inspiring. Uh, and I think he's an absolute beast. And I think he will be the sixth man of the year uh, of 2020 because people are going to start recognizing this dude. And he is a bad – well, most of his views have 90,000 – or most of his videos have 90,000 <laughs> views. Maybe somebody's seen him play. But his name – yeah, yeah. Hang in there, kid. You got this. Uh, so, yeah. So now my my full team without a coach is – Dan Mayo, Anika Nils, Nate Smith, Jason McGreer, Raghav Mehrocha, and Dave DeCenzo. Solid. Solid. All right, so my sixth man, I think the same thing. It's got to be someone who's going to come in and just mess everybody up. Uh, yep. Chris Dave. He's my sixth man. Oh, oh. <laughs> man, if you would have went first and picked Chris Dave, I probably would have gone Terry on Gully. Okay. Just to be like, all right, I need I need to have my guy that can hang. But uh, that's a great call. That's a great call. I figure um, he's the Chris, one that's going to come in when everyone's getting a little bit tired and just steal steal everything. He's taken over. Yep. And he's not competitive, but I've seen him make some drummers look pretty damn stupid. <laughs> and I'm talking about drummers that are really, really well known. Uh, so yeah, he could he could handle it. Okay, now it is time to pick our coach. I'll let <clears> you go first. Okay, this is really tough. I have who I want to pick, but I think who I need to pick is Sput. I think he is the ultimate Ooh. coach of drummers and musicians. It's almost the same as Mark. His IQ is insane, his you know, his selflessness, but I think he's got a little bit extra as far as just figuring out the strategy of how to make all this crap work. So that's my pick, yeah. Sput. Now, who was – did you have a second who was close? Well, let me pick first. And then yeah, you can tell I'll tell you my, my assistant coach. I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you my okay. GM. I'll give you my GM. <laughs> oh, I already know who my GM is. No doubt about it. Okay, so my coach, same thing, has to hold this whole thing together. Also, you can't coach unless you can do. Sput's a perfect pick because mm. if Sput's telling some somebody something – he can also then sit down on the kit and do it, but then he can be like, let me go over to the keys and play you what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. No, can I have your bass real quick? Right. <laughs> oh, it's left-handed, not a problem. So Sput's a great pick. I need that same thing. I need somebody that can handle themselves but can also explain everything and teach everything. Yost Nickel is my coach of my nice. team. Yeah, so, and also very cool disposition, so he's not going to get rattled. Nope. No, you can't rattle. He's, 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 he's the perfect coach. So you go an assistant coach? You know, or I'm, GM. I can't make this this man, this royalty, an assistant coach. He's got to be the GM. Steve Jordan okay. was my my other coach. Nice, just for his ability to produce just magic at all times. Okay, so Steve Jordan is your GM. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to go for GM. I'm going to go with somebody that probably no one knows, and that will be Udo Daman. Nope. No Udo Daman is. He is the uh, president and founder of Pop Academy in Germany. He was the one that taught Benny Greb, Annika, Yost. Oh, right. Uh, but okay. he, so he's got that school in Germany. And when I visited there, I've never seen a music school as well run as Pop Academy. Uh, it, was, it was honestly mind-blowing. And it's not just a drum school, even though he's a drummer. Uh, but what he has created, like he is that coaching tree that – Unlike Bill Belichick, where all of his assistant coaches go on to completely flounder 
in other places <laughs> and come back to it's him. the opposite <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's the opposite uh and everyone that comes from the udo daman school of of learning and thought they end up becoming leaders in our industry so udo daman is my gm awesome. all right so cap off your entire team with coach and gm please all right so my gm the great steve jordan his head coach is robert sput Wright. My point guard, Mark Tuliana. My shooting guard, Shannon Forrest. My small forward, all-around badass, Keith Carlock. My power forward, Ronald Bruner Jr. And holding it up in the middle, Gavin Harrison. All right. And my GM is Udo Daman from Pop Academy. My coach is the great Yost Nickel. And then we've got Dan Mayo, Ani Kanilis, Nate Smith, Jason McGrew, and Raghav Meotra, and Dave Desenzo. And I'm going to give a special special mention to two people that didn't get called out, which is would have been called Matt and Class and Brody Simpson. Those are mm. two. They're they're on our practice squad, <laughs> but but they could take the place of any starter at any time. Yeah, they're they're redshirting. So all right, so that is our 2020 draft. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And that if you fun. like stuff like that, please let us know in an email because the more that you guys direct this podcast, the more control you have over it, and we are happy to do to drum nerd out with you guys at any point in time. You ready to talk about a little bit of Manukache? Yeah, talk about another legend. Um, so we have a. Not a huge story, but um, let me open it up here. So we've got, you know, Manu Caché has a new record out. Of course, I don't have the page saved in my magazine, but it is on page 60 of the December issue of Modern Drummer. So if you haven't been following Manu since, I would think, his commercial peak of the late 80s and early 90s, he's had, he's led his own band. He has a handful of records out on the the ambient jazz record label ECM. The latest one is called The Scope. Um, so I was kind of surprised how many records he has. I think his first one came out 15 years ago called Neighborhood. So he's been cranking with his own band for a long time. Wow! But, of course, we can't talk about Manu without talking about the peak of his career back in the day. Yeah. Uh, where would you start? I, I was on the fence of starting with... Sting and Peter Gabriel, and the fact that he played with both of them around the same time is, you know, yeah. So, I think, and maybe you can help me out with this because I don't have it in front of me. But timeline wise, wasn't Omar the first drummer to play with Sting after the Police? He did that first solo record, right? Yep. And then Manu was shortly after that. So, uh, for me, it was a time where I was very much so into Sting. Peter Gabriel and mm-hmm. into Phil Collins and when I read the Peter Gabriel jacket uh, with the uh, song Shaking Your Tree and In Your Eyes and that album mm-hmm. what, uh, was it So maybe yeah that was an interesting record because it was like a transition Tony Levin yeah had, uh, I think Jerry Murata's on a little bit of it and Stuart Copeland might have played hi-hat on a little bit of right. it <laughs> so yeah so and I had never heard of this person uh and didn't know anything about him. And then all of a sudden, I got to see some concert footage on videotape and mm-hmm. was just like, okay, this is so different. And his playing, uh, we're going to play a little cut from you uh, from a concert he did uh, from the Secret World Tour. And this is a song called Shaking the Tree. And one thing I've always loved about the song is it's even on the album it's like three minutes and 35 seconds before the drums come in Mm -hmm. but there's a loop and it's very phil collins-esque because phil always does loops forever and then the drums come in and they hit you so hard Mm -hmm. and this did that but when it came in 
Now, you're not going to hear it on this because we're going to actually play you the live version. But on the studio version, it's just this amazing caca, 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 caca. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fill is so dope. Oh, it's so good. It, it made me buy splash symbols. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Because uh, Manu is like the king of splashes, in my opinion, of yeah. playing them musically and putting them into pop tunes. So, yeah, so Peter Gabriel's Shaking the Tree from the Secret World Tour. That was definitely the time where I thought, I have a new favorite drummer. You want to play a little bit of that? Yeah, let's check out. So this is right what you're talking about. So this is from the Secret World concert um, clip. You can find it on YouTube. Peter Gabriel Shaking the Tree, Secret World. And Manu comes in with his legendary quirkiness around the 345 this is not the fill i just sang but you will hear it's very all of a sudden he's in the song yeah so let's check it out Okay, I don't know how much of that song we can play without getting in trouble, but we need to play the whole damn thing, all seven <laughs> minutes and 23 seconds. I've got chills right now. I love that thing so much. Yeah, it's insane. Seeing a drummer play open hi-hats like a rock drummer in a pop band with Peter Gabriel, like I remember just how much this changed my life. Like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. I don't have to be in corn to, to do this. Like He's doing it, and he's in a pop band, and I like this music more than the music I was playing. And so, I mean, this was a really impactful thing for me. And just hearing how much every single note he played had nothing to do with being a drummer. It only had to do with serving the music. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he was getting to do cool stuff. Yeah, and I think I think he's the master of playing with a drum machine but being completely free and open with it. Like, he's playing fills that... that no one would dare try doing with a loop right. or, a, or a metronome going. And he's all over he's the place. A, and he's in an arena. You can't <laughs> hear any of those things normally. you know. And, and I think he was the one that showed me that when I was younger, and I'm sure anyone is going through this right now. And when, Usually when I say young, I, I definitely don't mean age. I mean how long you've played the instrument. So you could be 45 years old, and if you've been playing for two years, you're young in your drumming journey. When I was younger, playing for the music was translated to don't play anything cool. Yeah, right. It wasn't until much later that I understood serving the music meant something very different. It meant whatever you play, make sure that it's helping the song. Yeah. It can be busy if it's a fusion song. You know, because I thought, well, like, well, how does Weckle get away with it? <laughs> Tell me he doesn't play for the music. It's like, oh, the music's different. Yeah, he wrote it but, for that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think that playing for the music, I don't know if anybody's, better at it in the world than Manu. No. Know? And I think yeah, I mean, he's knowing, definitely up there. Knowing that the drum machine is the one that's holding it all together, so why not be the color commentator to make it, you know, just Great lift point. it up. Really I mean, good point. But it's also just that confidence of I'm not gonna get thrown off of the track and I'm gonna play some yeah. Timbali sounding freaking Tom licks and a bunch of it's almost like what Carter Beaufort kind of took and made more more streamlined. Yeah. Like well insane. and what's crazy too is, you know, when you say like his his freedom side of it this at this point in time this is a famous song yeah okay so he did not play the fills that are on the album true yeah and i didn't mind i was like oh that was cool you know and so he's just like he's literally sitting there for three minutes going i i I don't think he's going anything i don't think he's thinking at all i think he's having fun and it's like oh it's time to come in i'll just do something and it just happens to be awesome but i don't think he's thought like 
here's the arena version of this song. Well, not know? to mention they're set up in in the round, so he's got people all around him, so he can't sit there and like pick his nose for three and a half minutes. You not know? to mention that stage spins. The dude's nauseous. <laughs> The dude, and then he's got Tony Levin right next to him. I mean, if you, pretty awesome. you know, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but go on <laughs> iTunes. You can get this concert on iTunes. Get this concert, Peter Gabriel, Secret World Tour. It's worth it. The, the musicianship is just absolutely incredible. Okay, where do you want to go now? All right, so I think, at least for me, when I first heard that, I mean, I love that that album that secret world live album but it was just confusing because i couldn't figure out what is he actually playing what's the electronic it was just it was amazing but at the same time I'm like okay that's that's this other world that i'm not even ready to touch but recently sure. he got back together with peter gabriel for a concert and they do the song um come talk to me same band but minus all the electronic wizardry so peter's playing a piano who's playing an acoustic kit he starts out with with hot rods again he might be the only person i think they can do that without smirking um, so you can kind of hear more of his you know what he brings just the the tom fills the the tribalism but it's always light and airy the you know the splashes so we'll drop in a little bit of that next Interesting. I mean, Omar did a uh, Bobby McFerrin album called Bang Zoom. Okay. Actually, quite a few people played on it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Bang Zoom was Will Kennedy. After that, uh, there's a the, the album right after that that Bobby McFerrin did, Omar was on it, and he played a lot of Hot Rods. And mm. there's just a lot of similarities, not because they were playing Hot Rods, but just the way they play, the way that they care about the music. Uh, there also must be something in the water, because it doesn't look like Manu's aging. I know. So something's going on over there in France. <laughs> Like I couldn't even tell the difference between this clip that's new from 2019 and the one from like 1996. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Jerk. So the last bit I wanted to drop in. Uh, this is a little hidden gem that if you haven't been, you know, deep diving in YouTube for Manukasha, you might not have ever seen this. This is a Zildjian instructional video that came out sometime. I want to say late 80s, maybe. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's studio drumming. <laughs> 1992 is what they what they say, but I feel like it was probably recorded earlier than that. It's him. They're kind of the producer is basically saying Manu's going to play the song, you know, simply one way. He's going to do it more kind of colorful and whatever. But it's called Manu Cache Zildjian commercial presentation is the clip that's on YouTube. <laughs> but you got to spell Zildjian wrong, so <laughs> you got to leave out the second. Oh my god! <laughs> nice. But I think this is this a, is. This is an amazing uh, glimpse at like his his more fusion style drumming and his studio just command of the instrument and the sound. I think of I think of his snare drum sound being very yeah. trademark. It's a shallow brass drum like that's like definitive shallow brass drum. I used to. I mean, that was my my uncle still has my fourteen by five and a half 
Manukashe uh, Yamaha signature snare drum. Oh yeah, I was like, yeah. never sell this. If you, my, my uncle plays drums. I said, if you ever are going to sell it, just call me and I'll take it back. But yeah, that I love that drum. You know, yeah, it's got such a trademark sound, and and you hear him doing you know the splashes stuff. It's, it's just a beautiful video. It's only fifteen minutes long. We're just going to drop in a you know thirty seconds of it here. Flash symbols, man. He's the only one that can do I, it in my mind. I know it's messing me up because I'm thinking like I could call Brewer and get a couple splashes sent out. Jeez, come on! Uh, he puts one wow. over where everyone else has the giant gnarly crash. He's got a little tiny splash. I love it. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. So hopefully you guys will do a deep dive on this guy. This I mean the one thing that's great about Manu is uh, the few times that I've been to France in the last few years, I always forget. He's not drum famous. He's famous famous. Like the guy hosts mm-hmm. TV shows, and uh, he'd be like a Adam Levine over here. Like he he's oh, guest judge that, on really. a lot of things. Yeah, he's quite famous. Um, and you know, he's he's just an incredible drummer. And the the few times that I've run into him, I do I don't know him. I've just met him. I think I met him at maybe the Labag show when I played that festival. Um, but incredibly kind human being. But definitely check him out, and then just check out his discography. He's another one of those drummers, along with Josh Fries, Shannon Forrest, uh, Matt Chamberlain, that when you think you know who your favorite drummer is, I promise you, you don't. Your favorite drummer is Manu, Matt, or Josh. <laughs> so, yeah, they were they were on all the albums you think your favorite drummer was on. <laughs> and I just rediscovered uh, Suicidal Tendencies' Art of Rebellion. Do you remember that record? Okay. That's yeah. Josh uh, Freese when he was maybe 18 years old. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think it is the it still holds up as like, for me, how far can you push rock drumming and still have, still be a musician? Like he's pushing yeah. so hard. He's only eighteen. Everything's just perfect. So yeah, Josh, Josh's a good choice. Josh was my my uh, alternate for the three man on my yeah. roster. I mean, he could. He's. I don't know. I. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Josh is not even a GM. Josh is an owner. <laughs> right. He's just the guy on the private jet. Like whatever, man. I. Yeah. I could do whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do. You want me to go play some pickup ball on the court? Not a big deal. By the way, he's been out with Sting for the past couple of years, and he keeps posting clips of him just annihilating police songs. I mean, it just sounds so good. Awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. All right. So uh, that Josh Freeze spot was brought to you by Manu Cache's spot. <laughs> and uh, check him out. Now it is time to get a word from our sponsors. All right. So a reminder, uh, Dream Symbols is sponsoring uh, Scott Pellegrom's clinic next week. That is November 14th at the Progressive Arts Society Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. He is performing at 11 a.m. on Thursday. And then immediately following at 12.30, he's going to be at Dream's booth in the exhibit hall to hang out, um, sign autographs if you want to, take pictures, show you some of his crazy techniques. I'm going to try to be there as well. And uh, so, yeah, come by, say what's up. Hopefully we have some stuff to give away. So let us know you're a podcast listener. At the very least, you'll get a handshake. <laughs> anyway, that's that's November 14th, 11 a.m. Make sure you go to the Scott Pellegrom Clinic, brought to you by Dream Symbols. Fantastic. All right, now it's time to get into some candy. The Tama Star Classic. What is this? Uh, 
walnut birch. Yes. So um, a couple years ago, there I guess it was in like an international ban on Babinga. Remember that kind of came down and just annihilated yeah. everyone for a minute. So Tama had to quickly decide, okay, what what if we can't make the incredibly popular birch babinga kits anymore? We have to come up with something else. Right. So their answer was this new kit, which is the walnut birch. Um, it's not a replacement. I think it it supplies a very different sound. That's still what I think of within the Tama sound, which I think of Tama being very precise, very articulate, and very, very kind direct. of direct, very direct, and also very yeah. powerful drums. Sure. Um, so this is the new Star Classic Walnut Birch kit. In the magazine, we're showing the full six-piece configuration. We just got a four-piece setup that had an 8x10 rack tom, 16x16 floor, 14x22 bass drum, um, and they did not send the snare. So that that three-piece show pack um, is sitting at the right around $2,000 is the list price. You're going to find it for yeah. under that, which is yeah. right on par with what you would expect for a you know high-level production, professional-level kit. Um the finish is amazing. That's first of all. I'm not one for like bright, kind of flashy finishes, but this, what do they call it? Um, some kind of a shoot. Arctic like a strata. Arctic blue oyster. I think it looks like amazing. I said, Arctic blue oyster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a gorgeous drum set. And. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear that 14 by 22. So let's before we listen to it, some of the features. I think Tomo just is killing the game when it comes to hardware. Um, yeah, their suspension mount on their toms is, I think, the best around. It's so streamlined and, and well hidden within the drum itself. It doesn't feel like it's got a head brace on the toms. Um, the new thing, the floor tom legs have a release lever. So you don't have to undo the thumb screw anymore. The memory locks are locked in place with a just like a push button. So you can very quickly oh, just awesome. pull the legs out and not have to mess with the height of the memory locks at all. Really wow. slick. Really slick, and they work great. Um, yeah, those are the two things most notable. Floor tom mounts, or floor, floor tom leg mounts look amazing, too. Yeah, exactly. So their hardware, I think, is still unmatched across across the board. Um Aside from the sound, but yeah, these I think these are lifetime investment. I don't think anything will break. Knock on wood. I don't think anything would break on Atomic Kit, personally. So, you want to hear it? I do. All right, let's listen to it. Uh, okay, quick question for you. Yep. There is a sound going on in those toms that is very different than most of the stuff you reviewed. Do you think that is due to the drums themselves or to clear heads? And I'm so used to coded heads. There's there's like a clarity, an attack, no, clickiness. It, well, I mean, maybe partially, but these drums, we only dropped in one tuning because, quite frankly, it sounds like that, just higher or lower. <laughs> they, right. just, okay. they just have a lot of dark tone with a right. really, really clean smack. So partly yeah. it's two ply clear heads, but I think mostly it's just those drums. I think you put anything on it, it's going to do that. I think they have die cast hoops as well, so that all kind of contributes to it. Yeah, there's a sound there, though, that I'm... It's, it's weird. I almost feel like I could see Simon Phillips playing this kit. I could see Billy Cobham playing this kit. There's, yeah. 
a directness, but usually when you get that direct thing, when I think like Tama Hyperdrive, it's mm-hmm. direct and nothing else. There is no, it's just doom, gone. Yeah. This this has like something where you're hearing like a, a bombastic kit. I, I would think if I was going to be, you know, really playing the shows, playing rock shows every night, this kit would be great for that. Is it loud in the room? Um, not particularly. I didn't have to do anything crazy with okay. my mic prees. There's no muffling. It's only overhead and bass drum mic. Um, right. The bass drum, I think I threw like a towel inside, but it's not like it's just in the drum. It's not muffling anything. Okay. So that's that's wide open. Uh, that, wow. I would consider that maybe medium, like right in the middle of the tuning range. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have some darkness, which is probably what you're hearing, that, that has to be the walnut. And I think a walnut is a cool wood because it, it has that deep, dark sound, but it's not vintage. It's not a vintage sound. It's a very contemporary sound. What is no? It's definitely not vintage. What is um, what is the inner ply? It's two plies. It's four plies of birch, two plies of walnut in the middle. So the it's oh, okay. inner plies so of black walnut. Got it. Got it. Very cool. So it has. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's kind of that best of both. It's got the punchy directness of birch, but then that kind of dark wolfiness of walnut, which I think sounds best on the floor toms walnut. For me, and bass drums. The rack tom sounds great too, but I, the floor tom was pretty special. Like finger tight, it was, it smacked for sure. Nice. This kit also comes in a lot of different finishes. You can get charcoal onyx, ice blue pearl, jade silk, and there's a gorgeous, gorgeous wood finish that I'm looking at right now. This is the Star Classic Walnut Birch four piece shell pack in molten brown burst. Damn, nice. that's a good looking. Kit. <laughs> um, so four piece uh, kick. I believe 10, 12, 16, looking for the specs now. Four piece is on sale for sixteen ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah, this is full blown pro kit, but still affordable enough. Yeah. Yeah, this could be a workhorse, especially if you're you're touring and you're playing modern rock or R and B or anything like that. This this, awesome. this would be a beast for that. All right, buddy, well, you want to get into some questions? Yeah, shall we? Um, okay. Let's do this one's from Jose. Um, I've got a question in regards to earplugs. What are the best earplugs for low volume situations? I play low volume gigs and been noticing my ears get tired very quickly, even though it's not that loud. I use earplugs for high volume situations, but I've noticed that they are too much for the low volume gig. Any recommendations would be appreciated. Yeah, that's a great, great question. It's, it's pretty easy to block out a ton of sound, Yeah, but to block out a little bit uh you would probably know you, you actually have quite a bit of experience with earplugs yeah i i use the they're called ear racers for almost every gig except for like gigs where i literally can't hear the band and i have to kind of strain to hear what's going on like sure. if i don't have a monitor or something i just have to sacrifice my ears to be able to hear what's going on but the ear racers 90 percent of every gig i play that's what i use and and i often forget i'm wearing them it just everything just sounds normal the only thing that's weird is your talking voice sounds in your head because you got earplugs in but the music just sounds normal just quieter that'd be a good choice um if you really need some detail i think it's into into my my uh entomotic they make one that have like hearing aid batteries in it and you can actually dial in the sound of the outside Oh wow, which was interesting. I used them a bit. I felt like it was maybe a little bit too much. Like I don't need all that high end clarity. Mm, yeah, uh, but that's an option if you just need to protect your ears, but still need to hear all that detail. Entom- entomotic. I'll find the model here. 
But yeah, erasers are my my choice for everything. There you go. Um, all right. While I'm looking for that, next question. This is from Todd. Um, what exercise would you tell a drummer of any level to practice if they could only get 10 to 15 minutes on a practice pad, maybe three times a week? Oh, man. I don't know if it would be an exercise as much as it would be. I mean, God, there's so much you could do. I'd have to hear the drummer play, honestly, because mm. I, I need to know what your weakness is. I mean, I divide everything up in my mind into pattern speed and raw speed. And I would need to know which one you are weakest at. Pattern speed is your ability to recognize patterns quickly, uh, like the book Stick Control would help you with. Do multiple rights and lefts throw you off if they're thrown into the middle of something? Or do you need singles and doubles to, to have your speed? If pattern speed was your problem, I would say work on you know a couple pages out of Stick Control. If raw speed was your problem, meaning that you physically couldn't play single strokes very fast or very clean or double strokes very fast, then the exercise that I think we've all been doing since we were kids is four bars of singles, four bars of doubles, four bars of paradiddles, no accents, and try to make it sound like you're playing one single sticking pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of a hard time answering it as well. I think this is this is kind of my situation. I literally... Most of my practice is done in the morning for 10, 15 minutes before I come to work. And I always, without fail, run through single strokes with no accents. And can I just interweave between singles and doubles without losing sense of the pulse? Yeah. That's one thing I always do. And I always run through all the accent placements of triplets and 16th notes just with the metronome. So I'm working on you know, accent tap control. I'm working on timing by making sure that my E's and the U's are in the right spot. And then just that seamless transition between singles and doubles in random ways, not like four singles, four doubles. Like, can I throw one double in and then keep track of what's happening? Yeah. Which kind of yeah. ends up being paradiddle variations, but I'm not right. thinking of it that way. But yeah, that's tough. But yeah. Yeah, I'd have to see somebody play. I mean, honestly, 10 to 15 minutes, just being on the pad, right now I can tell you every single day, every time I'm on a pad at home in front of the TV or whatever, all I'm working on is my i've noticed that when i'm doing groupings with my right hand it's very french thumb is up thumb is the fulcrum and my fingers are very involved and it's just this loose kind of throw and catch motion mm. and with my left hand it's more german and a little bit more wrist driven and it's 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 a safer version of things and i'm trying to get that push pull thing happening with my left hand in groups of 3 4 5 and so I just sit there going, you know, da da da, and I'm trying to snap that third note, da 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 da. And when I do it with my right hand, I, mean, I always see my hands as teacher and student. My right hand is the teacher, my left hand is the student. What can my left hand learn from my right hand? So I'll do it for one bar with my right hand, and then my student will try it for one bar, and I keep trying to A B those two against each other, and I'll visually just stare at my hand. So, so and that's something where I've played my entire life. I've played for almost forty years now. And I'm still working on playing da 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 with my left hand. So you, I think concentrated practice is what you should be doing. What you do with that isn't really going to be the point. It's whatever you need to work on and whatever your weak spot is at this moment. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, anything but just randomly jamming on a pad, right? Right. Yeah. Unless you're working on improvisational stuff, which then 
that's yeah. fine too. So it, it's tough. Human beings, if if it, if we were all the same, my website would be like, we have one course. Sign up now. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Get Better at Drums Course. Yeah, I do think it, it's a good idea to think of that time as calisthenics. It's you know, yes. like think if you're if you're a soldier out and you're deployed and you only have 10 minutes to get your body in shape, what is going to be the, the exercises that will <laughs> get you? Think about it. Like you're in the desert and you've got no gym. Oh, I get it. I'm just saying minutes. that's like extreme. But I, I love mean, that you think of it that far. Hey, you like, got your starting five, you got your point guard, <laughs> and now you're going to war with your drums. <laughs> well, I think it's important. No, I think that's great. You know, that way you're like, what am yeah. I going to get the most bang for my buck if I'm going to have 10 mm-hmm. minutes to, to do some sort of exercise? It's not, it's not playing along to a song because you're going to get one song in. You have to. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I just, I, like I said, I think they're, everyone's at a different point in their journey. So what happens is when we say that, then that guy that we thought we were talking to in our head shows up and he's been in the Blue Devils for the last five years and his hands yeah. are flawless. And we're <laughs> right. like, damn it, you should have spent 10 minutes playing a song. Right, you right. can't stop marching. You play <laughs> kick, hat, kick, hat through every damn song. <laughs> so oh, everyone's different and we okay. just have to treat it as such. Let's get to the next question. I found the earplugs. They are, um, the company is Etymotic, I think, E-T-Y-M-O-T-I-C. That word research, and they are called the electronic earplugs for musicians. They're basically like hearing mm-hmm. aids, yeah. So, but they're not they're not cheap. They're like three hundred dollars. So that would be something if you just you need. It gives you fifteen decibels of sound reduction, plus you can dial in two levels of amplification from the hearing aid part of it. So, pretty cool. I didn't really need them, but maybe you do. All right, our last question is coming from. Um, David Davis. His name is Davis. I wanted to know what export settings or apps you use to get your videos uploaded clearly to Instagram. I've had a lot of issues in the past with them being super compressed, both sound and video quality. Okay. So, Davis, first of all, you can go all the way to 4K. It won't matter. No matter how you upload it, Instagram is still going to compress it the same way they do. I think what's happening, Davis, is you think they're compressing it more than they are. What's happening is they're making multiple versions of your video to show to people based off of their connection speed. So if you upload your video, you might see a very low quality version of your video that not everyone else is seeing. If if I watch it with blazing high speed internet, I'm going to see the clearest video you made. If you watch it and you're not on Wi-Fi and you're just walking around, you have a little bit of service, you're going to see a much lower uh, resolution of that. So I wouldn't totally freak out. I would actually ask a friend that's got a different cell phone carrier, hey, can you pull up my video on Instagram real quick? I want to see if it's really this bad. Mm. Uh, so that's so I wouldn't worry too much. I, I export everything. I don't do 4K even though I can film in 4K. Uh, there's just no reason knowing that Instagram is going to have to compress it. But I uh, upload everything in 1080p. So my export settings in Adobe Premiere is I'm exporting in 1080p whether I filmed it in 4K or not. And so I'm down sampling the, the footage. A lot of times I film in 1080p just because I know it's going to Instagram. And then I'm doing it at 20 megabits per second. That's my, my compression and resolution. And, uh, and yeah, and then, uh, and then audio at full quality. So audio at the highest quality you can, uh, 20 megabits per second. So an Instagram video for me is usually, I think about 150 megabytes. That's the size of the okay. ended end all file, and then I send that to Dropbox because uh, I don't have a Mac, 
uh, so I can't airdrop it to myself. Mm-hmm. So I upload it to Dropbox, and then on my phone, I download it from Dropbox straight to my phone. It's in the full resolution, and then I upload that to Instagram. Does anything need to be talked about what happens before you do that? Like sharpening, there's anything you do to the video? Oh, do not do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're already going to put on their little stuff anyways. And it's it's what's going to happen is, just so you guys, if you don't know, where all of the data comes from, it comes from movement. So if you just have a picture, there's not going to be a lot of data and so when, when they're compressing this video or when you're rendering this video, what's causing that file to get bigger and bigger is the movement. Well, we're drummers, so we're moving a lot. And we usually are well-lit, and then the background is black. So we're moving our well-lit bodies through this dark background, and that is a lot of data. So that's what's causing this file to be so big. And then when you go and try to upload that to Instagram, they're going to compress that. And when they're compressing that, All compression is, whether it's for audio or video, is them going through the file and saying, what can we delete information-wise without changing the look or sound of this thing? Mm. That's what happens when you go from a WAV file to to an MP3. Yeah, They just say, all right, there's a lot of frequencies here that no human can hear. We're going to delete them to save on space. But some people say, no, I can hear the difference. Please send me the WAV file. Mm. So. Same thing with with the video. So no, I wouldn't do I wouldn't overdo anything because what's happening unless you have a great camera and you're shooting in log, you're starting to to crush the blacks too much, and the, then it it introduces noise, which is going to get picked up even more by the compression. So just try to be as clean as you can with it. Um, and but yeah, you don't have to really do too much. Uh, okay, and, and don't definitely don't add sharpening. There's have you seen? There's a video of um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's. He does. He's huge on YouTube, but he did like what happens if you upload the same video to YouTube a thousand yeah, times or something? MKB. Yeah. So yeah, that Marquise was a Brown. Great. That was very eye opening for me to see how quickly yeah. it gets destroyed, like annihilated. Yeah, all the way to the point that you're actually a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and and Marquise showed the guy that did that to YouTube, you know, 15 years ago when YouTube started. Uh, uh-huh. Like later in that or. Way deep into that video, Marquise shows where that idea came from. Some guy did that way back in the early days of YouTube. Mm. Um, and yeah, it shows how the compression keeps getting more and more. So for Instagram, shoot in 1080p uh, and then render in 1080p. And like I said, I think what you're describing is probably that you're seeing the video on your cell phone and you're just seeing one of the many versions that they've created with their compression. Killer. All right. I got nothing to add to that. So that's it. Send in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. You can send audio questions as well. Make sure that you send a link for us to download any audio files because they get hung up in our, our firewall or something. Something is eating up your attachments. I don't know what it is, but they're not coming through. Quit screwing around. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is time for our picks of the week. And my pick of the week is something that I stumbled upon, didn't know it existed, was going to spend a ton of money on something else, and well, or at least order something else. I uh, I don't know what my standings are with Ultimate Ears. I think I'm endorsed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm endorsed, but I don't really know. So I don't I don't want to assume. So I was happy to pay, but I ended up not having to pay. And what I'm talking about is the IPX Bluetooth cable. I was going to order their new Bluetooth headphones, which are custom molded in-ears but with a bluetooth cable Mm. they sell the cable by itself so if you have any 
ultimate ears that are modern, meaning they have the single connection instead of two pins connecting the wire to the ear. If they have the single connection, which if you've gotten your ears in the last year and a half to two years, you have that. This replaces your cable and turns your in-ears into Bluetooth headphones. And it's awesome. And and it has a controller on there for you to take phone calls and turn up the volume and turn down the volume. So you can buy them for four or five hundred dollars as new in-ear headphones, mm-hmm. and then you can take those in-ear Bluetooth headphones and put on a normal cable, and now you have in-ear monitors. Or you can just buy this thing for a hundred dollars. Uh, so if you go to custom.ultimateears.com, it's called the IPX Bluetooth cable. It's a hundred bucks, and it'll turn your current uh, Ultimate Ears into a set of Bluetooth headphones. Just make sure that it is compatible with the set that you have. I might actually have a set of those here waiting to be reviewed. (laughs) (laughs) Mike's pick of the week next week is (laughs) nice. All right, buddy. Uh, Oh, before we get to your pick of the week. Yeah. So we, we said last week we were going to review the snare. Did it, did it need another week? Did I didn't, it go even, bad? It, it didn't even go home yet. It's still okay, sitting in cool. the pile. So yeah, we can do that next week for sure. Because so I know I, what when I, I know play what the eulogy beat, it'll be on the okay. standard, the Brooklyn standard. Yeah, I uh, I was like, oh man, because I know the way we do things. We don't do negative reviews. If we find something that is negative, <laughs> we just don't we tell them it. we're not going to review it because there's no reason to point out the negative. And I was thinking, oh my god. Mike thinks that my snare drum is in the negative. He, he didn't even review the damn thing. Oh, okay, hilarious. good to know. That's hilarious. Good to know. I was, I was a little freaked out when I saw the rundown. I was like, what? <laughs> what happened to Brooklyn? Everybody's getting them in the mail. Everybody's loving them. People are posting pictures. No, I mean, it, right. it's a spoil of riches at the moment. I've got I've got a indie kit that's in my studio just waiting to be reviewed. I have that Angel uh, oh, yeah. bl- uh, block structure maple kit that needs to be reviewed. I've got... I've got two Doc Sweeney solid snares to review. I've got your snare to review. Minel sent like a hundred stackers to review. <laughs> and of course, this is the the past two weeks I haven't been able to touch my studio at all. So it's oh. the irony of it all. But I'll get on it. All um, right, all right. So what is your pick of the week, sir? My pick of the week. I don't know if I've done this one yet, and I I worked on this product, so I'm sorry if it sounds douchey. But um, Carter McLean's book. Uh, drum set concepts and creativity. I've had it on my desk here for the past month, and I, I every once in a while I'll just spend five ten minutes just tapping through his kaleidoscope exercises. It's a monster. It's very similar to Eulogy in the way that like I, I understand everything because I transcribed it. I intellectually understood everything he was doing, but to get my hands and feet to play the stuff, forget about it. Yeah. So, it, and I've, I'm seeing the benefits of it that. Kind of like the way New Breed, like you don't know what it's doing for you until 10 years later when you realize you learned all this stuff from New Breed. There's just like a certain flow when you when you can intellectualize what a five sounds like over top of a four, three polyrhythm. So anyway, I think you haven't seen it. No, I think it's a, it's a killer book. Um, but I also think something that I got out of that book was something that people that have played for a very long time run into as a problem, which is sometimes you just need to sit down and work on something you can't do because that yeah. it opens the floodgates not only of creativity, but you forgot what it was like to to learn something like you can't struggle. do. Yeah, like really struggle. Yeah. I think a lot of people at some point reach a this level where it's like, okay, I'm good learning new things, but I need to just get better at using the things I already have. And then you'll turn around and realize, oh my gosh, it's been two years since the last time I sat down 
and learn something brand new that I couldn't do. And I think Carter's book is fantastic for that. Yeah, so it's called Drum Set Concepts and Creativity. If you don't have it, uh, please pick up a copy. I do not get any royalties from it, so I'm not. <laughs> I, I just had the honor of transcribing his his crazy kaleidoscope beats. So it's, it's very and cool. And that's it's with cool. Hal Leonard? Hal Leonard put it out. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. All right, everybody, have an amazing week. Hope you guys get some great practice in this weekend. Please, if you can, head on over to iTunes. Give us a little five-star review or a five-star rating and a review. One day I'll say that right. <laughs> and you can keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. And we are now, what, 30? After this, we'll be 32 episodes away from our last episode. That's right. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> blow this thing up so you are 32 episodes away from finding out what mike and i really think when we just say sayonara we are out of here that's still almost a year from now man can we make it shorter what about 225 225 is a good round number it's a hard out at 225 later buddy see ya